What's this all about, huh? Oh, let me guess. Uh, seeing as how you're broke, it's about one thing. It's about money. So how many zeros do I got to write on the check to bail you out this time, huh? How big's that check got to be for you to sell your dignity one more time? Hunter, you should know it's not about money. I don't have money problems. I don't have any money. It's about me doing what I was meant to do. It's about me being the best at something. It's about me being in the WWE and performing in front of these people. As hard as you make this place to work, this is still a fantastic place to work. There's a lot of great people there. I just want my job back, Hunter. You want your job back. He wants his job back. The Big Show wants his job back. You want your job back. You can take your job and you can Hunter, stick Hunter, it. Hunter. You want your job back, Big Show? Yes, ma'am, I'd like my job back. You got it. Hey! Hey! I got my job back! Yes! 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 Oh! Oh, man! I'm telling you, that... Great, then it's settled. That feels good to have my job back. It really does, you know, I just, uh, there's just, uh, one more little thing. I think to make the world's largest lawsuit go away, I think the world's largest athlete deserves the world's largest bonus. Why are you so angry, man? Look, you're right. Calm down. No, 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 no. Seriously, seriously. Calm down. It's not about the money. You're absolutely right. I'm not worried about the money. What I want is something, something I've never had before. I've been here for 18 years. Well, you know what? I'd like to be the face of the WWE. the WWE. Are you kidding me? Have you looked in the mirror lately? <laughs> I don't know what you're... Oh, this is this can't be good. This cannot be good. The Shield. They've done Triple H and Stephanie's dirty Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! I am the voice of the voiceless. Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry! About your damn luck. I deserve one more match. It's 
Welcome back, folks, to another electric edition of WrestleRant Radio right here on EC Radio. Of course, your host with the most, with the most Bleacher Report featured columnist, Graham Jason Matthews, here right now to run down the week in wrestling. We had Elkamania event right here in Beverly, Massachusetts. Had a an extremely fun time attending that this past Saturday night. I will be breaking down that for you here tonight on WrestleRant Radio. Of course, to the month of November, the WWE. Um, not so new is for the new month in the WWE, and uh, the more things change, the more things stay the same. We have Big Show in the WWE Championship picture, as you saw, as you heard from the pre-show audio right there. Big Show will be contending for the WWE title against Randy Orton in three weeks at the Survivor Series pay-per-view in Boston, Massachusetts. At one point, I was contemplating going to the show. Of course, this point, not so much. Um, now that I know that Big Show will be contending for the WWE title, I have zero desire to be there in person. Of course, being at a WWE show, pay-per-view, Raw, SmackDown, live event, anything live is amazing. But I just, I, I really do not want to dish out the money to go to this event if I know it's going to be lackluster. If Night of Champions, Battleground, and Hell in a Cell were all mediocre at best, then what makes you think that Survivor Series is going to be any better? But before I go down to that rant, um, I will be discussing Monday Night Raw from last night on the USA Network for November 4th, 2013, and much, much more going on in the world of wrestling. But of course, before we get into the swing of things here, folks, just want to run down a brief uh, few plugs for you guys to check out, of course, as I do every week. Make sure to check out nextarowrestling.weebly.com backslash WrestleRant dash radio where you can listen live to the show instead of going to the official website going through the Endicott website and whatever there's a quick link to the show by going through there so it's again WrestleRant uh, I'm sorry it's nextarowrestling.weebly.com backslash WrestleRant dash radio and of course as I mentioned before the Elkmania event that I attended this past Saturday night in Beverly Massachusetts on November 2nd 2013, I almost said that wrong, I thought it was the third, um, had a very fun time on that, as I said before, my official photos from the event are not only on my Facebook page, but you can check them out at my official website, go to nextarowrestling.weebly.com and go to the event photos, and it should be the latest edition, click on the set of photos there, you can check out all the photos from the show. Um, also, I took a number of interviews, which I'll be playing a few of them and a few snippets of some on tonight's show. You can check out the interviews in full with four wrestlers from the show, as well as the promoter of the Alchemania event, Project Zero Wrestling, as well. Um, it's fantastic stuff. Exclusive interviews. Get the inside scoop right now at WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com. Make sure to download the official app for the podcast by going to WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com. On your official smartphone, go to the Safari app. It will not work for Chrome. Make sure to press the arrow and download to the homepage of your phone. You will be notified of when new podcasts are up. Make sure also to check out the repeat of this show. If you're not listening live on Saturday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 Central Time, we do go have a repeat go live on Saturday nights on the same exact website at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 Central Time. 
And of course, if you want to keep updated with what I'm doing uh, throughout the week and whatnot with my articles, stories, and whatnot, make sure to like my official Facebook page at Graham GSM Matthews. Same thing for my Bleach Report articles. Go to Bleach Report, the WWE slash Pro Wrestling section. Search up Graham GSM Matthews. Going to have a new article up tomorrow on the five potential career paths of Tyson Kidd. So make sure to check that out at Graham GSM Matthews on Bleach Report. And also make sure to subscribe to me on YouTube simply by searching. Graham, GSM Matthews as well. What I will be doing on my YouTube page going forward will be posting snippets of this show, certain clips of things that I think are important, that things that people might like and whatnot, to make sure to check out my official YouTube channel at Graham, GSM Matthews, and subscribe. All the support is greatly appreciated. So without further ado, let's break it down right now. Elkamania this past Saturday night, November 2nd, 2013, had a hell of a time. Really, really fun time live. Was able to meet up with a uh, with the guy who set me up for the show, Adam Nessel. He used to host Wrestle with Nessel um, right here at Endicott Radio. So he was really cool to hang out with for the majority of the night. All the action all night long, extremely exciting. I didn't get a, uh, I, I didn't know any of the wrestlers going into the show, so I was in for something completely new. It was a really fun indie event, probably one of the better indie events, if not the best indie event I've ever attended. Really, really fun time. But without further ado, let's break it down. Kicking off the show, we had Tommy Coben taking on Joey Warner in his debut match at Elkamania, participating in his first ever matchup in front of a capacity crowd. Uh, the crowd was packed, by the way. The The arena was pretty packed for what it was, uh, much more packed than the New England Championship Wrestling event that I attended a few weeks ago, about a month ago, uh, which, will, which I will be returning to, by the way, this Saturday night on November... 8th, November 9th, I will be uh, returning to New England Championship Wrestling. I'm not sure if it's going to be taped to TV or not, but it will be at the Cove Community Center on uh, November 9th, I believe at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, not really sure, but if you want more details, go to necw.tv for more details on the event. But nonetheless, as far as Elkamania goes, the opening match, Toby Coleman versus Joey Warner. Really good matchup here. Considering the fact that this is Joey's first matchup in front of a live capacity crowd, I would say he did pretty damn well for himself. So congratulations for him for putting up a strong fight. But, of course, it was Coben who came out victorious here and advanced in the Elkamania four-man tournament. Up next, we had Derek Simonetti confronting the PZW heavyweight champion Stevie James. It was a solid segment, basically... Derek was rehashing the fact these used, these two used to be friends, so it was good the the amount of rehashing that they ended up doing, because I was completely unaware of these two um, before going to this event, so I had zero idea of the backgrounds of these two wrestlers, so it was nice to know that they used to be friends, used to be tag team partners and whatnot. So, um, solid segment for what it was. It ran a little long, but aside from that, it was still a solid segment. It set up the main event matchup nicely. But without further ado, I would like to play my brief interview that I had with the uh, wrestler Joey Warner. I was going to play this a minute ago, but I forgot. Um, Joey Warner, as I said before, competed in his first live event match this past Saturday night at Elkmania. Got a brief interview with him after the show, and here's what he had to say. This is Graham Armini here with Buddy Romano, the winner of the championship. Can you spend- Sorry about that. Wrong interview. Uh, here's my interview with Joey Warner. 
This is Graham Ramina, and I'm here with Joey Warner. Uh, Joey, I heard tonight that is your first night here out at uh, Elkamania, your first live matchup. Um, what were your thoughts going into the matchup? What were your internal reactions before you stepped through the curtain? You know, uh, before every match, I have a, you know, I warm up and I just get ready and I just go out there and I do what I can. I do, I do what I like to do. And um, going through the curtain, you know, my heart's pounding. I'm, you know, I'm just really anxious to hear the uh, the reaction of the crowd. And uh, surprisingly, mine was fantastic. I, I enjoyed every minute of it very much. And of course, it is only a snippet of the exclusive interview that I scored with Mr. Warner after the show. If you want to hear the full interview, go to WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com for the full interview. He discusses his dream opponents in WWE and TNA, respectively, as well as Ring of Honor, his thoughts on interfering in the main event matchup, what I'll get to in a little bit. But uh, nonetheless, for the full interview, go to WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com. Up next on the show, we had Richie Sick taking on John Wilson in the semifinals, another semifinals matchup of the Elkmania four-man tournament. Another very good matchup. John Wilson, very dominant dude. I uh, made note of the fact that he looked like Trevor Murdoch somewhat, just in better shape than Trevor Murdoch ever was. Richie Sick, though, a very cool name. His last name, not spelled S-I-C-K, but rather S-I-C. Um, with parentheses around it, like in a quote when you take something out. I thought that was pretty cool. But um, that's how he spells his name. He ended up coming out victorious in this one, advancing to the finals of the Elkmania four-man tournament. Up next, we had Jack Kruger and the wrestler that I want to refer to as the Mad Hatter. I don't really know exactly what his name was. It didn't have it on the program. Um, I believe they may have said it once or twice throughout the show. I'm not really – I I didn't make note of it. So I'm just going to call him the Mad Hatter, though, because that's what someone called him after the show when I was talking to them. But nonetheless, Jack Kruger, the maniacal Jack Kruger that I should say, um, very cool dude, reminded me a lot of Raven and a lot of aspects. I asked him about, uh, sorry for botching, I asked him that about, asked him about that later on after the show. Um, he gave me a lot of insight on that, so I'll air that a little later on. Um, again, for a full interview, just go to WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com. So they were just making either presence felt, didn't compete in action until later on in the night. Just uh, They attacked Anthony Green when he was making his way down to the ring. They cut a brief promo, very sick individuals, very Halloween fitting since Halloween was just mere days prior. Um, and then after that, they just made their exit through the uh, exits that the... I, I don't really know what to call it because they didn't exit through the entranceway that most of the wrestlers did. Unlike them, they entered through the entrance way that all the individuals all the uh people in attendance did all the fans did so i thought that was pretty interesting i i thought that was pretty interesting sorry for botching them all over the place today um i asked him how that resembles the shields entrance in wwe today and how similar it is and whatnot so that's in the full interview as well but nonetheless going on we had mike pavia taking on or participating in a fans choice matchup the choices were tough talks Tony Spencer and the Firecat. Both of these individuals very entertaining. Tony Spencer was the heel. Firecat was the face. Firecat wore a mask. Very cool costume. Again, pictures up at nextairwrestling.weebly.com under the event photos. Firecat ended up winning the fans' choice and uh, ended up going against Mike Pavia. Um, It was a decent match for what it was. Mike Pavia won via countout after... And what was rather clever, I might admit, uh, I must admit, he threw the yarn, he found a a roll of yarn, and he threw it outside down a flight of stairs. Firecat went after it, 
and he started chasing after the yarn. Mike Pavia, Mike Pavia went into the ring and got the countout victory over Firecat. So that was pretty clever. But after the match, Firecat retaliated by attacking Mike Pavia. So then after that, we had our next matchup. We had a Buddy Romano taking on the unequaled one, Todd Sopel, and the dastardly Doug Summers in a triple threat match to crown the inaugural Bay State champion. This is by far the match of the night in my eyes. A lot of entertaining action. Triple threat matches, like at the New England Championship Wrestling event, which I thought was the, uh, the triple threat match and that show, was also the match of the night. Triple threat matches are always back and forth. The individuals taking turns within the ring, inside the ring. Um, just a lot of entertaining action throughout. Really, really enjoyed it. In the end, the face wearing the Red Sox jersey, Buddy Romano, emerged victorious and captured the gold that's becoming the inaugural Bay State champion. And right now I'm going to play for you a snippet of the exclusive interview that I scored with Mr. Buddy Romano after the show. This is Graham Armini here with Buddy Romano, the winner of the championship. Can you Bay specify which title? Bay State Championship. Bay State Championship. You had a heck of a match here tonight, a triple threat title match. Your thoughts on winning the title tonight? Uh, I am, I'm still trying to take it in right now. I mean, uh, I faced two tough competitors. Um, I mean, like I said, it's all sinking in now. The first Bay State Champion at Elkmania, at the first Elkmania. And uh, I'm just I'm just honored to be champion. I mean, uh, it was a hard-fought battle. Both of those guys, I, I take my hat off to them. They're both tough competitors, but you know, I ended up pulling out the victory, like I like I knew I would. For the full interview, go to WrestleRantAndRadio.Podbean.com for the exclusive interview and the rest of the exclusive interview, I should say, with Mr. Buddy Romano. Up next, we had. The Inglorious Dastards, or th- this is after the commercial break. We had a brief intermission. Um, then after the intermission, we had the Inglorious Dastards issuing an open challenge for the NCW Tag Team Championships, which was answered by Lumber Jake and his tag team partner, whose name escapes me. Um, probably the worst match of the night. So we go from the best match of the night to the worst match of the night. Um, the styles of all the individuals involved in the matchup, I don't think meshed very well um they were all very lumbering and whatnot um just the styles overall of all four competitors were just not good it did not make for a good matchup thankfully it was over rather quickly it was over within minutes with uh the inglorious dastard successfully retaining their ncw tag team championships so that's good to see um so but rather overall it was a pretty terrible matchup it wasn't atrocious but it was Lackluster and disappointing at best, but um, even still, NCW Tag Team Champions remain with the Inglorious Dastards. Up next, we had Tough Talk Tony Spencer interrupting a promo from Atlake Grain, the promoter of Elkmania, who was uh, talking about how he was sidelined from action. He was originally supposed to compete on this show, big dude. Um, he was supposed to take on Tough Talk Tony Spencer in a matchup. However, Atlay Green was sidelined with pneumonia earlier on in the week and was not diagnosed or uh, was not cleared to compete on this show. So that never ended up coming to fruition. However, regardless, uh, Tough Talk Tony Spencer ended up interrupting Atlay Tony Green or um, Tony Green Atlay Green here. Um, Anthony Green was the name of another wrestler, so I'm uh. I'm mixing that up. But, uh, yeah, he interrupted Atlay Green. Atlay Green put him in a matchup with Jack Ruger and Matt Hatter with his tag team partner being Anthony Green. Of all the matches of the, of the night, I thought this was the most entertaining. Uh, tough Talk Tony Spencer 
from what I heard from Adam, the man sitting next to me, he was talking about how uh, Tough Talk Tony Spencer was not the greatest in-ring worker, but he was a gem on the mic, and I got pure proof of that on this show. When he walked out in his tag team partner, uh, walked over to the concession stand, bar, uh, uh, bought a Dr. Pepsi, I believe it was, and spilled it all over himself when Anthony Green tried to make the tag. He had to go clean it up. Really funny stuff. So essentially, this was a handicap matchup with Jack Ruger and his tag team partner, the Mad Hatter, emerging victorious after they double-teamed Anthony Green. And then after the matchup, tough talk, tough talk Tony Spencer blamed the loss on Mr. Green. So then after that, Atlay Green put him in a body slam challenge match. Um, initially, Spencer challenged... Um, initially, Spencer challenged Mr. Atlay Green to a body slam matchup, but of course, since Atlay was not cleared to compete, he put John Wilson in there instead. The match is over within seconds. John Wilson wins the body slam challenge. Tough talk. Tony Spencer walks away with his tail be- in it with uh, in between his legs. So, uh, yeah, tough talk. Tony Spencer, very inter- entertaining competitor. Uh, really enjoyed his work on the show, both in the ring and on the mic. So I would love to see more of him if I come back to another event in the near future. But of course, before I go on, I'm going to play a brief portion of the uh, exclusive interview that I scored with Mr. Tony Spencer on Saturday night after Elkmania. This is Graham Romina here with Tony Spencer. You were actually, um, I believe you got the most time out of anybody here tonight. You were in three different segments. You were uh, not voted for a matchup with, uh, what was his name? Uh, Mike, that, uh, Mike Pizza Sauce. <laughs> Mike Pizza Sauce. Um, you were also in a body slam challenge in a tag team match. Um, your thoughts and how you performed here tonight at Alchemania? Well, you know, first of all, my name is Tough Talk. Tony Spencer, not just Tony Spencer. I didn't spend four years at Tough Talk Universe to be called Tony Spencer, thank you very much. Okay? Second of all, the reason that I was out in front of the crowd the most times is because the promoters of Elkamania know that I'm the one that brings in the people. So they featured me as much as they possibly could. And, you know, here's the thing. The Mike pizza sauce thing was thrown at me last minute, all right? So I, I, I like Mike. I like Mike. I wasn't going to hurt him. I would just gone in there. We would have had a nice little friendly encounter. Like, And I honestly, I probably would have let him get the deuce. You know, just, I, 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 love, I love Mike. And second of all, I wasn't ready for a tag team match. I didn't, I didn't come into this thinking I was going to be in a tag team match, you know? And I didn't come into this expecting John Wilson. You know, I trained for one purpose and one person, purpose only. And that was to body slam at Lee Green, pin him in front of his hometown crowd, and show the world that us Rancho Cucamongans, and more specifically, Tough Talk Tony Spencer, is, is the epitome of winitude in professional wrestling. For the full interview, check out WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com. Sorry to go through that a number of times, but... Just want to stress the fact that all the exclusive interviews with Mr. Tough Talk Tony Spencer, Joey Warner, Buddy Romano, Jack Kruger, which I did not air on the show, as well as the interview with Atlay Green, the promoter of the event, are all up now at WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com. And of course, in the main event, we had Stevie James defending his PZW Heavyweight Championship against Derek Simonetti. Solid matchup from these two. Lots of interference and overbooking after the referee was knocked out cold. We had interference from Joey Warner attempting to save Stevie James from a boot shot from Mr. Simonetti. 
who knocked out uh, Stevie James Cold with the boot. Joey Warner was knocked out with the boot as well. There were two referees that knocked out in this matchup, and we had a, another referee, or we had a part of the staff come down, and he made he was uh, he made the three count for Stevie James, who successfully retained his PZW Heavyweight Championship. Now, Derek Simonetti initially early on the show, he reminded me a lot of Vader, and just with his style and what he was doing within the ring, and he reminded me a lot of Bully Ray too. Um, just in the sense that, as it relates to Vader, as he compares to Vader, he did a backflip off the top rope at one point. He did a beautiful moonsault. Um, he excellently executed it. He went for it maybe twice. I know the first time he missed it. I know he went for it another time. Not sure if he connected that time or not. But uh, it was still a beautiful maneuver. Uh, shades of Vader for sure. But nonetheless, Stevie James comes out victorious in this one. Still the PZW heavyweight champion after the matchup concluded. We had Derek Simonetti and Stevie James hug it out as the best friends as they are. So, with all that being said, I thought this was a great show being there live. I highly suggest anyone, or strongly suggest anyone who is in the area right here in Beverly, or anywhere else in the Massachusetts area, that um, to attend these events when they come by. I talked to Atlee Green after the show. You can hear it in the interview, but he was saying how they do not come by all that often. They will be coming by maybe every other month or um, maybe every few months. They're not really sure yet, but next time these two are, these guys are going to be hosting an event right here in Massachusetts, I will be the first to let you guys know right here on WrestleRant Radio, but I'm sure as hell going to be attending because it was a really fun time when I attended on Saturday night. So moving right along here into Monday Night Raw from November 4th, 2013. I thought it was a good show. Not a lot of people thought so from what I've been reading, but I thought it was a solid show overall. Provided some nice hype for Survivor Series in a few weeks, which isn't shaping up to be a fantastic show, especially with the main event for the WWE title between Big Show and Randy Orton. But uh, they are shaping, they are foreshadowing some matches for the show. They had a lot of good action on this show as well. So let's get right down to it. Kicking off the show, we had CM Punk versus Luke Harper in what I would call a Ring of Honor dream match. Now, both these guys. We're in Ring of Honor at one point. Most notably, CM Punk was in Ring of Honor for many, many years, leaving in uh, 2005. Luke Harper, many may not know this, but he was in Ring of Honor at one point as Brody Lee. He's very solid in the ring. He's limited in his current role as Luke Harper, but he's definitely going to be a breakout star in the Wyatt family because this guy can go in the ring. He held his own against CM Punk. He dominated him for most of the matchup. Um, Got a lot of strong offense over the self-proclaimed best wrestler in the world. Looks great in defeat here after CM Punk rolled up Harper for the victory. So Harper was, in a sense, protected via the roll-up. So he wasn't... uh, he, he didn't lose a lot from losing to CM Punk via the roll-up, so I thought that was good. I, I thought it made for a good opening matchup on Monday Night Raw. It's not a lot of times that we get to see in-ring action kick off the show. Usually it's a boring segment or a segment that drags long, so thankfully we didn't see that on the show. We had a very nice opening matchup between CM Punk and Luke Harper, and after the matchup, the Wyatt family brutalized CM Punk only to be saved by Daniel Bryan, who was also brutalized by the Wyatt family last week, so it looks like it's going to be CM Punk and uh, Daniel Bryan teaming up to take on the Wyatt family at Survivor Series. Whether this leads into a 5-on-5 Survivor Series tag team match is beyond me. I'm not really sure. But um, if it is, I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with the tag team match as well. If it's just Harper and Rowan versus uh, Punk and Daniel at the pay-per-view. But 
it's kind of a mismatch because both Punk and Brian are both former WWE and World's Heavyweight Champions. Um, many titles between the two of those guys. And then you have Harper and Rowan who debuted a few months ago. Unless they go over, which would be a major upset, but I think it's better to have this transition into a 5-on-5 Survivor Series matchup or 4-on-4, you know, however you may have it. I'm um, including The Miz, who's been feuding with the Wyatt family lately, so I think that'd be cool. But um, I don't know. I'm liking this feud right now. I think it's the most entertaining feud they have going right now. I mean, albeit only started a week ago, but uh, it is one of the more entertaining feuds that WWE has going right now with the Wyatt family taking on the duo of CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Up next on the show, we had Ryback versus the Great Khali. This matchup came about after Ryback was seen bullying, or footage was shown of Ryback bullying Hornswoggle in the catering area before the show. In this matchup, Ryback emerged victorious after hitting uh, the Great Khali with a vicious clothesline and picking up the victory in the process. After the matchup, throwing uh, Santino into the barricade and thus, uh, thus putting an end to the segment. So the match was what it was, basically what you would expect from the Great Khali and Ryback. Really nothing much more than that. It was over within minutes. Ryback picked up the dominant victory. I wouldn't really say it was dominant, though, because Kali got a lot of offense in on Ryback, so Ryback kind of looked weak, even though he picked up the victory. Just, I can't stress enough how over Ryback was as a babyface, and now his his character is essentially over in the sense that it's finished. It's done. This guy got finished at Hell in a Cell when he lost to CM Punk in that Hell in a Cell match, and... Well, it wasn't even that. That wasn't. That was just kind of the final nail in the coffin. His real downfall started last year at Hell in the Cell when he lost that WWE title match to CM Punk. I'm not saying he should have won, but they should have protected him after the loss, and which is what they didn't do. After it, um, they had him lose every single pay-per-view match from that point forward. He lost to you know John Cena. He lost to the Shield. He lost everybody. So it was ridiculous how many times this guy lost to people. Now it's just a running gag at this point. It's a win over Kali, but how much does a win over Kali mean these days, you know, despite the fact he's a former world heavyweight champion? So that being said, I don't know what they do with Ryback now. Um, his feud with uh, Punk appears to be over, and thank God, because that wasn't going anywhere anywhere fast. So I'm glad that's over, but, you know, even so, what do they do with this guy? That's the real question. What do you do with Ryback now that his feud with Punk is now over? What do you do? I don't think feuding with comedic relief and Santino and Kali is going to help, that's for sure. But I just don't see the point in having these guys feud. I don't think Kali and Ryback are going to feud, but what do you do with Ryback at this point? I think there's still potential in him. I think there's still hope for Ryback. I don't think maybe turning him babyface would help, but I don't know if they're going to give him back his feed me more catchphrase that got him over in the first place. That'd be cool, but I don't think they would do that. Unfortunately, I don't think they would take a step backwards, even though it'd be the smartest thing to do, you know, but nonetheless, what do you do with Ryback is beyond me at this point. Up next, we had the millionth matchup. I'm not really the millionth, maybe in the thousand, two thousand range matchup between Alberto Del Rio and Kofi Kingston. A nice matchup, but just a lot of things wrong with it. For one thing, it uh, these two have faced off countless times. Not only in recent months, just in recent years. It came to my, uh, I came to realize today that uh, very interesting to note that these two have faced off in the month of November every year since 2010. These guys faced off in an episode of SmackDown in 2010. They faced off in Raw in 2011 and in 2012, a year ago 
today, actually, and they faced off yesterday on Monday Night Raw. So, what WWE's fascination with uh, Ziggler with uh, Kingston versus Del Rio was beyond me. But the matches are always good. Don't get me wrong. This Kingston, I don't think, should have gotten as much offense over Del Rio as he did. I mean, we're looking at Del Rio here, the world or the ex World Heavyweight Champion, the man who's going to be invoking his rematch for the his rematch clause for the world title in just a few weeks' time at Survivor Series. So having Kingston get the better of Del Rio on the show um, was just mind-boggling. I mean, Kingston didn't win, but the fact that he got so much offense over in, he got so much offense in as he did, was just asinine to me. I, I just didn't understand the fact why they did that. But um, even still, though, Del Rio goes over. I guess it's a good win, but what do you do with Kofi Kingston now? I mean, nobody cares about either of these guys. Del Rio hasn't meant anything in a long time. I mean, his reign, I thought, in my eyes, was good as World Heavyweight Champion, his latest one. Del Rio was booked dominantly over the last year from his face turn to turning back heel back in June. And now he's back to where he started and chased for the world title. And then after he loses to Cena, I don't know what the hell they do with this guy. But even still, um, the guy just is not over. That's the problem. He's just not over. So what they do with him from this point forward, I have zero idea. What you do with Kingston right now, I have zero idea. His ship has basically sailed at this point. But giving him a competitive matchup against the number one contender to the world title, I don't think is a smart idea. Up next, we had Randy Orton versus Big E Langston in a fans' choice matchup, where the matchup was the uh, big. Uh, Randy Orton's opponent was determined by a poll on the WWE app, and winning by a landslide was Big E Langston. Yes, Big E Langston won with seventy-eight percent or seventy-five percent of the fan vote, with Ziggler getting twelve and Miz getting thirteen of the fan vote. That's crazy. Um, if these things aren't rigged, then that's just sad. I mean, Miz, I can understand getting as low as a percentage as he did. I mean, I'm a huge Miz fit, but he's just not over right now. No one cares about his character. I have booking to blame for that. And Ziggler, this guy's over too, but I mean, they haven't done jack squat with this character over the last six months or so. So the fact that he scored 12% in this poll was not surprising, but it was it was depressing to say the least. The matchup itself between Orton and Langston was solid. I thought it was very good. Langston got a lot of solid offense over Orton. Um, he looked good in defeat. I mean, I thought he was going to get DQ'd or have Orton get DQ'd to protect Langston. I mean, this guy just turned babyface a few weeks ago, and I thought they would want to protect the guy. But I guess not, because Orton went over clean. And I'm all, I'm all for one for champions picking up clean victories, but... At the expense of Biggie Langston, I don't know if it was really worth it. I mean, granted, like I said, he got a lot of offense in over Orton, but coming up short via a clean pinfall, I don't know, was the best idea. And again, I'm not saying Orton should have lost, because that would have made him look weak, especially after he was treated like trash after uh, Big Show pummelized him, or just pummeled him last week on the uh, at the end of Raw. So that, that would have been not good, I guess, but... Langston looked good against Orton in defeat. What they do with Langston from this point forward, I'm not really sure. I know this week on WWE Main Event, tomorrow night on Ion Television on Wednesday night, he will be taking on the Intercontinental Champion, Curtis Axel, and I believe non-title action. So I don't know if he's going back after the IC title or what, but I am glad that Biggie Langston is getting high-profile matches because uh, this guy has a lot of potential as a babyface in singles competition. 
Up next, we had Tyson Kidd making his in-ring return, not counting his role in uh, Los Locales. He was actually uh, playing a part in Los Locales a few weeks ago. Thankfully, that is over with, as he and Natalia defeated Fandango and Summer Rae in mixed tag team action. It's been about since January, I believe, since Tyson Kidd first appeared on the scene in WWE. That was when he was sidelined with, I think, a knee injury, and has been out ever since. I mean, he's been training really, really hard to get back. He's been seen on uh, on the, uh, what is it called, Total Divas, when it was still airing. I believe that comes back November 10th. WWE's hyping the heck out of that throughout this show, so no surprise there. But the real question is, what do you do with Tyson Kidd now that he's back? This guy has a lot of potential. I don't think they should have played Natalia's music when he came out. I think playing his own music would have been cool and got a bigger pop. Um, seeing that this was his first in-ring matchup as Tyson Kidd since January. But that being said, though, um, I am very glad to see Tyson get back. He has immense potential. I don't think he's going to be world champion, but um, he can definitely pick up where he left off in the tag team division. He can pair up with Natalia, which is what they did this past week on Raw, which only makes sense since they're hyping up their marriage on Total Divas. They aired the marriage. Um, they aired the wedding on the mid-season finale of Total Divas a few months ago. So they're playing up on that right now. They mentioned that multiple times throughout this matchup. Now that Tyson Kidd's back, I presume they're just going to have those two pair up now. Um, I would like to see Natalia in the Divas title picture. I know she's made AJ Lee submit last week on SmackDown, so I don't know if she's going after that or what. But I would love to see, and I you know, mentioned this in a Bleacher Report article on uh, uh, on Tyson Kidd. Just, uh, I will be posting that on Wednesday, so make sure to check that out. I posted several possibilities for the career path for Tyson Kidd. Um, I think he should chase the IC title. I think that'd be the best thing for him. I mean, as entertaining as his tag team with Justin Gabriel was, and I wouldn't mind seeing them as tag team champions, I don't think it's in the cards right now. And I say that because Cody Rose and Goldust are doing such great jobs right now as tag team champions that I don't think they should be dropping the titles to Kid and Gabriel anytime soon. I don't think they'd be dropping the titles to a face tag team. I mean, they could, but I think they might be dropping the titles to maybe the Wyatt family or um, another heel tag team, the Shield. I don't know. The Shield just lost them, so I'm not really sure. But um, even still, I don't think they should go after the tag team titles because they won't win. But I would love to see Axel defend his IC title against Tyson Kidd. Those two have had great matches in the past when Axel was still Michael McGillicuddy down in NXT. They revamped NXT and NXT Redemption. So putting Kidd in the contention for the IC Championship I think would be great. I would love to see him go after the IC title and eventually win it. A lot of people are not high on Axel. Um, I am. I am a fan of Axel, but you got to face the facts. This guy is just not over. And Tyson Kidd, granted, he's not over that much either, but I think he could benefit from a run with the IC Championship. I think he deserves it. He has yet to win a single title on WWE, so I would love to see him him versus Axel for the Intercontinental Championship at some point in the very near future. As I said with Natalia before, I would love to see her go after the Divas Championship after she made AJ Lee submit last week on SmackDown. Switching gears here, we had a six-person or six-man tag team match with John Cena, Tag teaming with the WWE Tag Team Champions, Cody Rhodes and Goldust, to take on the trio of Damian Sandow, Jack Swagger, and Antonio Cesaro, a.k.a. the Real Americans. A fantastic matchup, by far the matchup of the night. Match of the night by far. Um, this was a rematch from last week on SmackDown, and usually more often than not, I'm not a fan of WWE doing rematches from SmackDown on Raw three days later. It makes the matchup on SmackDown feel 
pointless. Like, why should I bother watching SmackDown if it's just going to show up on Raw days later, you know? And that's probably why a lot of people see SmackDown as the recap, you know, the the recap show, the B-show, all those kind of stereotypes, because that's essentially what they treat it like. But that was the only negative out of this matchup, because the matchup itself was very, very good. John Cena and company Cody Rhodes and Goldust went over here. Very entertaining action. Everyone was able to hit their signature spots towards the end. The final few minutes were very well done. Really, really enjoyed it. The tag team champions were highlighted. The World Heavyweight title was highlighted for the first time in a very long time. Sandow and the Real Americans looked good in defeat. Um, as far as Sandow, I said last week I wasn't a huge fan of him losing his Money in the Bank contract, but I'm also... Um, I am high on the idea of having him lose the matchup because he's not over right now, so I don't think his uh, reign as World Heavyweight Champion would have been all that great. Would have been a good one. But, uh, you know, even still, now that he's no longer Mr. Money in the Bank, what do they do with this guy? Um, I don't even think WWE knows what to do with this guy right now. I mean, they threw this guy in a tag team match against Cena. I mean, it's only been one week. Time will only tell. But uh, what do you do with him? I'm not really sure. I would like... I mean, based off what Del Rio said on commentary, I would like to see Cena defend the World Heavyweight title against both Del Rio and Sandow at Survivor Series in a few weeks. I think that'd be much more entertaining than just Del Rio versus Cena for the millionth time after they feuded back in 2011. Now they're reigniting their rivalry two years later. The matchup at Hell in a Cell was good, but it wasn't fantastic to the point where I want to see a rematch held a month later at Survivor Series where we know Cena's going to win. You know, so that being said, I would love to see Sandow in the title picture, or in the title match, rather, at Survivor Series in a few weeks. I think that'd be great. So hopefully we do get that come Survivor Series. Um, as for the Real Americans and the Tag Team Champions, Cody Rhodes and Goldust, they had a good matchup last week on Raw. They had a good matchup this week on Raw. Maybe they do the Tag Team title match come Survivor Series. I mean, I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, Cody Rhodes and Goldust have been putting on the match of the night for weeks now since they first formed as a team. Since Battleground, I think it was. Um, these guys are just so great as a tag team. They've been lighting the tag team division on fire. They continually put on great matches, and the Real Americans are the right opponents for them to feud with because I know they can they can get great matches out of them during the course of their feud if they want to pursue it going forward. So hopefully they clash over the tag team titles at Survivor Series, if not in a five man um, in a five on five Survivor Series elimination tag team match. Switching gears here, we had the Intercontinental Champion Curtis Axel take on Dolph Ziggler in non-championship action with the title not on the line. Um, this is a good matchup, but the fans were just not into it. Curtis Axel, like I said before, is just not over. Whereas Ziggler is over, just creative has nothing to do with this character. They have they have zero idea how to handle this guy. I mean, the guy that cashed in Money in the Bank to a massive ovation one night removed from WrestleMania 29, and now they have nothing to do with him. I have zero idea why. Um, there's plenty of things they could be doing with him. He could have been back in the world title picture by now, but he's not. He's facing Curtis Axel. And I think the worst part about this was the fact that even after uh, even after Dolph Ziggler won, the commentators didn't treat this match like a big deal. I mean, the Intercontinental Champion should be getting pinned, should be treated like a big deal. I mean, this isn't the first time this has happened, so maybe this is just a pointless rant. But I mean... Come on, the IC title, if you want to make it feel prestigious, you have to stress the fact that Dolph Ziggler just beat the IC champion. Whether he's in title contention or not is beyond me. I have zero idea. Personally, I do not want to see Ziggler contend for the IC title. Like I said, when he was contending for the 
U.S. title a couple weeks ago, or three months ago, I should say, I have zero desire to see a mid-card title around the waist of Dolph Ziggler. He should be wearing world title gold at this point. It's just ridiculous that WWE continually put, uh, punishes this guy for what he says in interviews and whatever. Now they're just burying him. I mean, granted, he beat Axel, but at this point in time, what does that even mean? You know, Curtis Axel's fallen far. I mean, he once defeated Triple H, he defeated Jericho, he defeated Cena on multiple, on, on, on multiple occasions. So, what you do with him, I have zero idea. You need to get the title off him as soon as possible. And it's not Ziggler. I don't think Ziggler's the right guy to take the title off of uh, Curtis Axel. Maybe this leads to something down the line. Maybe this is just WWE putting them in a random matchup. But, you know, even still, though, a uh, good matchup for what it was with Dolph Ziggler going over. Next up, we had the Usos taking on 3MB in what was a quick squash match, relatively painless. If anything else, or if nothing else, I should say, it was not Los Matadores versus 3MB for the millionth time. We've seen that God knows how many times over the last month. Um, I'm already sick of Los Matadores. I don't like the act. Like I said before, it's very, very limited in what it can do. Um, I'm already bored of it. Uh, the guys underneath the masks are very talented. They just need to remove the masks and go back to being Primo and Epico because this gimmick is not doing them any favors at all. Their backstage segment was atrocious. They should not be anywhere near the WWE tagged in titles. I don't know what you do with these guys, but they're, they're, they're quickly overstating their welcome. As for the Usos, it's good to see them back in uh, winning fashion on Raw after losing a six-man tag team match last week on Raw against The Shield. I love the Usos. They're very much over. Um, I hope they win their first tag team titles at some point down the road. But um, even still, nice to see them get a win on Raw over 3MB, even though it doesn't mean all that much. Up next, we had the Bella Twins, Bree and Nikki, respectively, tag teaming with Total Diva star Eva Marie to take on the Divas champion AJ Lee, Tamina Snuka, and Oksana in six Divas action, six Divas tag team action. Um, fine matchup. Thankfully, AJ and the Bella Twins did most of the in-ring work. I mean, granted, the Bella Twins aren't fantastic in the ring, but they have improved immensely to how bad they were many months ago. They were not entertaining in the ring at all. They were, had several batches in their ma- several botches in their matchup. The irony of me botching the word botch. You know, regardless, I digress. Um, just the fact that Brie Bella and Nikki have improved in the ring has certainly helped their matches a lot. And, I mean, it the fact uh, it, it doesn't hurt that AJ, that they're in there with AJ, who is probably the best in-ring competitor in WWE right now. So that's good to see. Um, to end this contest, we had Eva Marie, who's competed in only two or three matches before this, pinned Tamina Snuka to win the match for her team. Um, so with that said, I don't know what they're doing with Eva Marie. There have been several reports over the last month that they're high on her. They're, um, she has a lot of heat backstage. They're back to being high on her. She's beautiful, but she still has heat on her. I mean, it's back and forth each and every week with this girl. I personally don't care about her. I think she's very, very attractive, and, but her personality sucks, and she's Mrs. Cardboard inside the ring. She doesn't sell for anything. She's like the undertaker of the Divas division. Just her in-ring skills are still atrocious, too. She wasn't that bad in this matchup, but she only tagged in for all of five seconds to pick up the win for her team. Um, I don't think it was smart to have her pin Tamina Snuka. They should have just had her pin Oksana, and that's what she's there for, to take the pin for her team. 
But, um, you know, hopefully this doesn't lead any, to anything. Thankfully, AJ was in pin because I don't want to see Eva Marie contend for the Divas, Divas title. That'd be atrocious. So hopefully that's not coming to fruition anytime soon. But even still, the team of the Bell Twins and Eva Marie go over here. Up next, and in the main event, we had the Big Show meeting with the Authority members, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. And like I said before, I could not care less about this segment. I could not care less about the storyline. Big Show has never been my favorite wrestler, but he's good when he's motivated. When he's given a good storyline, he's good um, in whatever he does. But at, at this point in time, with this stupid story, I mean, he even stole the yes chance. He even stole the yes chance. I mean, that's supposed to be a Daniel Bryan-specific thing, but he started doing the chance anyway. It was obnoxious. Why he's doing them, I have zero idea. But, you know, even still, though, Big Show asked for his job back, and before the segment even aired, they were airing vignettes over the course of the show on how Big Show was suing the WWE for all it was worth. Um, he was going to put the WWE out of business and yada, 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 all that court crap and all that kind of stuff. There's nothing worse in wrestling, ladies and gentlemen, than court stuff. Then when they bring in politics and this garbage of, I'm going to sue you and you're going to sue me and all that garbage, I hate that. Nothing is more boring in WWE or just in wrestling in general than that kind of garbage. And they did it. And there's so many logical gaps. There's so many logic gaps in this story right now that it's just asinine that they're even pursuing it. I mean, Big Show, it took him five seconds to bring it, to get his job back. They beat the living crap out of him even after he got his job back, which you would think he would sue again for. There's just so many logic holes. There's so many gap holes, plot holes in this storyline. It doesn't make any sense at all. You know, even after Big Show got his job back and he, as I played in the in the pre-show audio, Big Show will be getting a WWE title match come Survivor Series. Again, I couldn't care less. They're positioning the WWE champion. They're saying, oh, he's the face of the WWE. He's the face of the WWE. But this guy's getting knocked out left and right. I mean, granted, he was standing tall by the end of the show, as well as the Shield. But that doesn't take away from the fact this guy was knocked out within seconds last week on Raw. It's ridiculous how they're booking the WWE title, the WWE champion. And in a sense, Triple H is the number one heel in WWE. And he's not even an active wrestler. I would much rather see Big Show versus Triple H come Survivor Series than Orton versus Big Show. We saw that match at Extreme Rules a number of months ago, only six months ago, wasn't long ago at all. That matchup was good for what it was, but you have to take into consideration the fact that, that was an Extreme Rules match. As of now, the match between Big Show and Orton for Survivor Series doesn't have any stipulation attached to it beside the fact that the WWE title is going to be up for grabs. So I don't expect the matchup quality to be all that great because all their recent matches in standard singles action have all been boring. So hopefully their matchup at Survivor Series is good. But like I said before, this whole story is just absolutely asinine. They did not accomplish their goal of elevating any talent in John Cena's absence. They elevated Daniel Bryan for all of two months, and now he's out of the title picture. I mean, maybe I'm speaking too soon, and maybe they're going to put Daniel Bryan back in the title picture come WrestleMania season. So maybe if that does happen, it will all pay off. But as of right now, they're just wasting that guy away. I mean, he's in a good feud with the Wyatt family, but he went from being in the WWE title picture to main eventing and main eventing pay-per-views to being put in a feud with an up-and-coming act in the Wyatt family. It's not a huge downgrade, but this guy should be continuing to 
Um, main event WWE pay-per-views. It's ridiculous how far Daniel Bryan has fallen. But, you know, even still, like I said before, Orton versus Show, your Survivor Series main event, maybe Triple H appoints himself the special guest referee for all we know. At this point, I don't even care. Thankfully, I will not be attending. Um, it is in Boston, but a lot of people have asked me, are you going to be going to the show because you live in the area? It's on Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm leaving that Friday anyway, earlier that week. So I think it would be pointless to come back up for one show that might not even be all that great that I'm going to have to spend a whole bunch of money on, which is going to be, it might be an atrocious show anyway, despite the fact it's one of WWE's big four pay-per-views. You know, even still probably, uh, I don't know, I'll probably watch the next day or something because I really don't want to sit through three hours of garbage again like I did it with Hell in a Cell and Night of Champions and Battleground, which were all terrible. But, um, you know, even still, that was Monday Night Raw from last night, November 4th, 2013. My personal opinion, I thought it was a good show. I said from the Big Show crap and all the stuff surrounding that. Um, I thought this was a rather good show. And I forgot to mention this too, but Big Show took on Orton and the Shield in a four-on-one tag team match and won via disqualification. The matchup was over within minutes, people. The matchup was over before it even started. Why even bother having a matchup? It was almost... The, the show was about to close out anyway. Why even bother holding a tag team match or a handicap match when the show is about to close? This served no point. This served no purpose at all. So aside from that main event um, angle involving the big show Triple H and Randy Orton right now, everything else seems to be going smoothly in WWE. John Cena, whether you like him or hate him, he's doing a pretty swell job as world heavyweight champion right now. And thankfully, he's making appearances on SmackDown. He appeared on SmackDown last week. From what I understand, he will be appearing on SmackDown this week. I don't know if it's just for right now or what, but um, he's doing a good job as world champion, elevating talent in the likes of Sandow, Swagger, and Cesaro on this show. That was a very good matchup. So if you have to go out of your way to watch any one match or segment from the show, it would definitely have to be that six-man tag team match, by far the match of the night. But even still, Survivor Series a few weeks away. Could not care less about that show. Only one match has, has been announced as of right now. Maybe that will change come SmackDown or come next week. But right now, I still do not give two craps about that pay-per-view. So with the few minutes that we have left, I'm going to start discussing uh, a little something that's going on right now on TNA. Of course, I forgot to talk about this last week. But at Bound for Glory, AJ Styles captured the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. And in storyline, he is not under contract at TNA. So after this match, after that matchup, or after last week's Impact, the November 24th edition, he walked out on Dixie Carter, stole her championship, and is now still the TNA reigning heavyweight champion, technically. But he's just defending the title outside of TNA at live events. I think he defended it at a recent AAA show. Um, so that's pretty cool. This is what WWE should have done with the storyline of Summer of Punk two years ago. So it's a direct copy of Summer of Punk from 2011. I think we all understand that. But I think TNA has the potential to do this much better. Because WWE held their tournament within a week, I think. They they had um, they spread out the tournament throughout two episodes of Raw, and that was it. TNA, since they have so few pay-per-views, they can manage to stretch this out until January at the latest. Or at the earliest, I should say. On um, this week on Impact, it's full Metal Mayhem matchup between Chris Saban and Jeff Hardy, which should be great. I'm not high on the idea of every matchup in the tournament having a stipulation, but it could make up for it, it could make for some fun matches, especially this one with Saban and Hardy going at it for I believe the first time ever in singles action. So that should be awesome. 
But uh, also involved in the tournament, we have Angle, we have Magnus, we have Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, um, well, obviously, I already said Jeff Hardy, Austin Aries, James Storm, a lot of cool talents and whatnot, so that's pretty awesome. Um, And speaking of which, speaking of tournaments, TNA had their Tournament of Champions pay-per-view this past week. If you didn't watch it, it's one of TNA's one-night-only pay-per-views. You know, ironically enough, it was not only one night only. You can still order it now on pay-per-view for a discounted rate if you didn't watch it live. I thought it was a good show. Definitely one of the the best one-night-only events I've seen up to this point. I watched TNA 10. I watched Hardcore Justice 2. I watched Knockouts, Knockdown, or whatever it was called from September. This was the best one yet, but even that being said, though, that's not even saying that much because all the other ones were terrible. This one was... Um, it had some solid wrestling. Uh, I enjoyed the smart booking they did over the course of the show. Bobby Roode emerged victorious as the champion of champions. So if you're looking for some good wrestling, if you had three, three hours to spare, I know a lot of people don't nowadays. I certainly don't, but I found some time to watch it. I enjoyed some parts of it. Um, they had Aries versus Angle for the first time. They had uh, a few other first-time matchups. They had Samoa Joe versus Hardy. A matchup that wasn't first time ever, but they've only done it only a few other times in the past. That was good. A lot of the matches were disappointing, but it was still a solid tournament overall. That uh, it, it was entertaining for what it was worth. Somewhat entertaining. But um, even still, TNA might be going back to the Impact Zone soon, unfortunately. I know a lot of people are like, oh, they have to do this and they have to do this. I understand they have to from a financial standpoint because they can't afford to be on the road forever. Especially much less for the next month. But um, I, I just don't like the fact that TNA is going back to the Impact Zone. It's such an overexposed, jaded arena. They were in there for years upon years upon years where the show itself would be ruined by the crowd. The show could be amazing, and the crowd would ruin it for not cheering for anything or just chanting, this is awesome, after a clothesline. And it's not TNA audiences either. It was just the Impact Zone in Florida. The most jaded wrestling arena I've ever seen in my life. It's garbage. And unfortunately, they have, to, they have to return there soon, which sucks. But um, even still, I look forward to TNA in their upcoming tournament for the TNA title. It has a lot of potential to be great. So hopefully they don't, have, uh, they don't screw it up by having AJ Styles return too soon like they did with CM Punk. But I look forward to the, eventually, to the eventual champion versus champion matchup between AJ Styles and whoever ends up winning the tournament. And finally, one quick note here before we go off the air. It was noted in a wrestling dirt sheet. I read it on lordsofpain.net, but it also might be on the Wrestling Observer and stuff like that. That WWE might be considering a champion versus champion matchup for WrestleMania 30, pitting the WWE versus World's Heavyweight Champions against one another in a unification championship matchup. I used to be full-fledged against the idea of unifying the titles. Right now, I'm not really sure. I still think it benefits WWE to have two different world championships, but um, the world title has lost a lot of prestige in recent years, but then again, Cena's holding it right now, so he's helping bring back importance to the championship, so that's cool to see. But um, even still, I don't think it's in WWE's best interest to unify the championships, but if they are going to do it, it's in their best interest to do it at WrestleMania 30, one of their biggest events ever. Um, it's the 30th anniversary of WrestleMania, so if there's going to be any place they want to unify the championships, it should be at WrestleMania. But uh, if it's Cena versus Orton, if Orton holds on to the championship until WrestleMania and Cena holds on to his championship till WrestleMania, 
That'd be garbage, so I hope that doesn't happen. I don't want to see Cena versus Orton for the upteenth time. But even still, that's going to close out this week's episode of WrestleRant Radio. Thanks for joining me, folks. Again, going back to those plugs, make sure to check out my website for all the WWE TNA rumors, recaps, and more, as well as all my photos from Elkmania, my reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Main Event, NXT, uh, TNA Impact Wrestling, all the pay-per-views, and much, much more. So go to nextarrowwrestling.weebly.com. Make sure to check out my official podcast for all the interviews from the stars of Elkmania, as well as Project Zero Wrestling, and all the interviews that I took at the New England Championship Wrestling event that I will be attending this Saturday, by the way, in Beverly. So if you are in the area, make sure to check it out at the Cove Community Center. It's going to be a blast. So make sure to check out um, all my interviews at WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com. Download the official app on your smartphone by going to that same address, WrestleRantRadio.Podbean.com. On your Safari app, on your smartphone, and download, or click the arrow to download the official app to your homepage of your phone. And also make sure to check, listen to the repeat of this show if you happen to miss out on Tuesday nights. Listen to the repeat on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 Central Time. Like my official Facebook page, I might be doing a Q&A session soon, so make sure to check that out. Post a comment on the wall at Graham GSM Matthews. Like the page. All support is greatly appreciated. So send in questions there. Make sure to check out my Bleacher Report articles simply by searching on Bleacher Report Graham GSM Matthews' new article on Wednesday about Tyson Kidd. So check that out. And of course, last but not least, subscribe to me on YouTube. Again, search Graham GSM Matthews. I will be having new videos of myself playing SmackDown vs. Raw 2007, interviews from past years. Um, I will be interviewing or I will be uploading snippets of WrestleRant Radio of this show, this very episode, so make sure to subscribe for more of that. And of course, listen live to WrestleRant Radio every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time, 8 Central Time. Thanks for listening live, folks, and uh, I'll see you next week.